This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. If you prefer fast-paced action scenes to slow and dramatic dialogue, whether in movies or in hell, Canto 25 of Inferno is for you. It has the smallest percentage of speeches by characters in the Inferno, and the relentless action depicted here is, to put it mildly, transformative. Let's get right into it. The opening verses are a direct continuation of the previous canto's appalling violence. Vanni Fucci, the thief who had disintegrated into ash after a snake bite, only to be restored like the phoenix, makes one final contribution to the narrative. With his fists, he gives God the Italian equivalent of the middle finger and shouts blasphemies at the Almighty. A swarm of serpents then sets upon him, and he scampers away, proud and pathetically angry. No sooner does he leave than a centaur, full of rage, appears and demands to know where, where is that unripe soul? This half-human, half-beast figure with serpents biting his back and a dragon blowing fire from his back is Kakus, a bloodthirsty thief who stole a herd of cattle at the foot of the Aventine Hill in Rome and was clubbed to death by Hercules. As a minor footnote, I lived on the Aventine Hill for five years during my doctoral studies in Rome, and I'm glad I never met that dude. This guardian of the Malabolgia for thieves has no time to talk with Dante and Virgil. He's frantic in his pursuit of the fleeing Vanni Fucci. In crafting these initial verses of Canto 25, Dante seems to have created a subtle but brilliantly wicked parody of the first question recorded in the Bible. In Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve yield to the serpent's slimy wiles and consume the forbidden fruit, God enters the garden at the breezy time of day and calls to the man, where are you? As Dante recasts the original sin scene here, Vanni Fucci plays the role of Adam, while Kakus gets the part of God. The significant difference between the scenes lies in the motive animating the pursuer. Whereas God approaches Adam in Genesis 3, and us in our lives, seeking confession of sin on our part in order to forgive us, Kakus has nothing but wrathful vengeance in mind. The rest of this canto is a sustained masterpiece of ecstatically awesome action. Five thieves in total, all from Florence, make their appearance here. But rather than discourse with Dante and Virgil, they are busy being transformed, transmogrified, and substantially changed into each other. Dante unfolds the shocking play-by-play of a six-legged reptile who turns out to be a thief named Chanva, who propelled itself at one of them and fastened itself to him. The two figures, man and beast, are fused together, their respective body parts blending into each other so that neither seemed what it had been before. And as the united monstrosity of Chanfa and Agnello lumbers off, Dante notes that they become both two and none as their individual features are erased in the bizarre unification. Dante isn't done horrifying us with spectacular morphology. In a scene that must have inspired the makers of The Matrix, a 
another serpentine sinner, Francesco, assaults Buoso by entering him through his belly button. In this particular horror picture show, the two sinners exchange forms with each other as smoke envelops them, Francesco turning into a man and Buoso assuming the form of a serpent. The cloven tail assumed the shapes the other one was losing, and his skin was turning soft while the others hardened. I saw the man's arms shrinking toward the armpits, and the brute's forepaws, which had been short, lengthen, precisely as the others dwindled. Dante casually notes that with this harrowing depiction, his virtuosity of imaginative genius surpasses that of Lucan and Ovid, the makers of lesser metamorphoses. And to be honest, you can call Dante proud, to be sure, but I'm willing to forgive him because he's Dante. After Buolso receives his forked tongue, he slithers off and is himself pursued. The soul just now become a brute takes flight, hissing through the hollow, and the other, by way of speaking, spits after him. If we sustain our look at Genesis 3, we note here the obvious presentation of the enmity between man and serpent that God promises as one of the punishments for the original sin. Even if in Genesis 3, the enmity specifically arises between the woman and the serpent. A fifth thief, Puccio Shankato, lame shanks in Hollander's translation, is the only member of the group that remains unchanged at the end of the canto. I assume, though, that his transformative turn will come soon enough. These mighty morphin power sinners have all eternity to suffer in such transformative ways that, of course, will never lead to conversion. In terms of the contrapasso in this canto, the punishment of the thieves is brilliantly executed. Just as they have stolen material things from others during their earthly lives, so now in hell, their very identities and bodies are stolen from them. Dante hammers home repeatedly that these sinners have utterly lost their own selves and are reduced to bestial irrationality. He says nothing about their actual lives, nor does he bother detailing the crimes they have committed. Connecting that back to Genesis 3, a clear moral seems to follow. Those who forsake their innate goodness, who disobey the command of God in taking what is not rightly theirs, whether in clutching at divine authority or pocketing someone else's stuff, lose their very selves. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.